and the herd ran in fear. And the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, this is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to uh, Book of the Worm. Uh, still first edition, but we're going on part two, which is, of course, Pentax uh, that we're getting at. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I, of course, am Bob and accompanying me are Nick. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and, of course, DJ. Hey, everyone. How's it going? And we got an exciting announcement before we get going. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a uh, show change here that we got going on. Still provide uh, Werewolf, of course, content. But we're actually going to start up the Requiem content uh, where we're going to do something fun. Um, your lovable host is still going to be here, of course, as always. But we're going to bring on two experts uh, for all things Requiem. These two guys have been storytelling for me for roughly two years. Uh, definitely been on the podcast off and on. And, of course, it's going to be DJ and Brentron. Now, DJ, I know conveniently as I throw you under the bus, Brentron's nowhere in sight. Sounds good. I'm here. So, I'm, re- I'm, I'm ready to do things. I'm just saying, I was like, I wonder why he brought me on the podcast today. I see your game. I see your game. Yeah. <laughs> well, the cool thing is, is that uh, while I'm on there, folks, what I want you to do is start sending me your questions of anything relating to Requiem of the Books as we get going along. And we're starting off with, of course, uh, Requiem First Ed. We're going to go over that base book. Now, the importance here of why we're doing it is because at 25 years, we feel that uh, Vampire Podcast, yes, we are. And yes, of course, Requiem. But also, there's a profound lack of knowledge people had of Requiem. Like, we went so far as to go into Kindred of the East to do a deep dive, and we're, we're putting a stop to that to switch to more character content, building tips and tricks uh, for everybody relating to Vampire, because what we seem as simple and fun to go through and do, there's still a lot of people catching up. Stuff is still new to them, or they're having trouble understanding these complex thoughts made fun. You know, you see an actual play and wonder how they get that fun and joy put in those games. How do you get them at your table? How do you get players involved? Things like that. We want to take a step back, and that's what Deep Dive is going to become. It's just how we do it. Not saying it's the right way, but it's an avenue we took that we found it easy to do. Uh, That said, how Rec Room relates is that there's a whole older crowd that believes V20 and even V5 is the way to go. But a lot of you might not know V5 wouldn't even be there if it weren't for Requiem. And that Requiem still has solid deep seed roots as to being arguably, and to me no argument, the best, the best version of Vampire that they've launched. And I want these two guys to sit up there and convince me that I'm correct or wrong. And I want to hear that from them, from the sources, it said. You up for that, DJ? Oh, you definitely will. One way or another, folks going to hear us. We're gonna it's going to be fun. Mind. It's going to be fun. I plan on being the voice of the people and, of course, the authors. If you guys have questions, authors hearing this right now, and you know Requiem's coming up, it's your book. Throw in the hard questions and pitch to these guys to stump them uh, to hear what they got, what we could dig into. And we're going to make this more than entertaining. I plan and hope that people start seeing Requiem with the right eyes, understanding its depth and story. Um, and as well, of course, it covers the crunch and complete content folks are looking for. But enough of that. Nick, let's start this conversation the appropriate way. Tell me about Pentex. Where does it come from? Well. I would like to say that uh, that Pentex is the, is the brainchild of a single individual. A uh, guy goes by Jeremiah Lassiter, and he's an oil man. And I'm glad you said that. 
because there's a there is no doubt that there is a there is a striking similarity similarity here between um, the the character that Daniel Day Lewis plays in There Will Be Blood and uh-huh. and Jeremiah Lasseter. The the greatest part is that this book was written way before that movie came out. But the two of them, the way that they approach business, the way that they start in oil, and the way that they've treated their employees and the people around them is so similar that you can get an almost shocking uh, portrayal of, of what Lasseter would have been like just by, uh, just by watching Daniel Plainview. I was tickled. I was more than tickled. When I, when I went and read this again, I'm like, it's interesting that years ago when I read this book, and even when I used it, it was before there will be blood. I didn't really pay much attention to the founder. But when I read that little blurb about him, I was like, it is him. It absolutely is him. <laughs> and you begin conspiracy thoughts, right? Like, who must have told him? About, you know, I have a competition in me. Maybe but, he read the book. Maybe that was like his how he, he method acted it. <laughs> but let's talk about the interesting way this comes about, right? So Lewis, as I, by the way, I'm referring to last year, but I'm just going to call him Daniel Day Lewis because it's funny to me. <laughs> Uh, so Lewis <laughs> finds the worm, right, in a mine cave near some oil, petrol, whatever, and it tries to possess him, but it can't because of his supreme will, right? I've abandoned my boy, right? He has it. And so the worm's like, guess what? I drink your milkshake. That's what happens. I, I will kill you right here in this cave since I can't possess you. And and old Lasseter, old Lewis is like, oh, no, oh, no, let's make a deal. The worm's like, fine, here's the deal. You contract syphilis, go off and die somewhere, and then I get control of your company. That's the deal. Uh, he didn't get syphilis till years later, but essentially the deal was he let the worm control him and work with him, like in this weird tryst, this evil dark tryst that only happens at the bottom of a cave where two beings can't get along. And then he it, he died of syphilis like a month after the board of directors was created. Right. Ooh, how, how the timing. Yeah. Well, right. well, imagine that. Just. The board of directors like, hmm, who could be uninteresting? Who wants to be? Black Sparrows decide they want to join, as it turns out. And I wonder why. Incest and madness isn't as much fun when you're broke. Just ask Jeffrey Epstein's ghost, right? That's a, you, you need friends to jump on board then, don't you? And so, uh, sure, Black Sparrows, join us. It sounds great. Wait, there's more. Don't forget, we need, a, we need a nefarious crossover villain as a shameless plug for our most successful line, Vampire. So let's throw in the Sabbat. Can we let's bring, bring in an Archbishop? No, no, no. We're bringing in a Priscus. We're aiming high. Harold Zettler, fifth gen Malkavian anti-tribute. Not good enough that it's just a Malkavian. It's an immortal fifth gen. Fifth uh, gen of the worm doesn't want you to even bother applying. Yeah, why even why even show up unless, uh, you know, you've been here since the Dark Ages? Oh, it's so good. Now, despite the origin growth, which to me, yes, comical. I'm tickled by it because it was a. Uh, why I find this comical is because this is made in a time and a place where we didn't have access, like we've been saying, uh, to all the information we do so easily now. And I feel like reading this book really highlights that. You couldn't go and really look up or pay attention to who Harold Zettler was, right? It just a book just came out. You didn't have mm-hmm. any idea of what that could have been or anything else. Not like the actual guy in the name where it came from. Uh, all right. But like if I told you what a Malkavian anti was and then a fifth gen or that even the Pentex could have vampires on their board, you know, because it's a werewolf game. None of that clicked. Even if you read it, you sound like a crazy person. Why? I remember the live action game where hmm. somebody walked up and wanted to play the chilled of Harold Zedler. And it was like, who are you talking about? And it's like, oh, you're Bob and read every vampire book. I did. And I have them. But like Harold Zedler, nowhere. What are you talking about? Oh, well, you haven't read Book of the Worm. Dun, 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 dun. Well, that's because we're not playing werewolf live action. That the number one. Uh, but maybe that's why. And so it created this weird thing. But then no one gives you anything to look it up. So it just became cool. This guy's 
related to some dude I couldn't possibly understand. Reading this book again after so long ago, I want to call that person up and be like, I'm sorry, bro. This this wasn't you who had this idea. It's interesting. <laughs> All is forgiven. But we'll get to the board of directors alone. That's that's like we'll call it the two tie-ins. It took two villains, main villains from two main games. Werewolf, Black Sprout Dancers, boom, that's one. Immediately on Pentex team. Then the Sabat was the second one. And the rest becomes filler, as you're gonna see here. But let's talk about that. Is it enough that Pentex gets one company itself and decides that if we're gonna go for petroleum, we're gonna branch out and snake out and get all these other companies, right? And we're talking here, there's sources of power. Mm. Now, when it does that, there's something in here that I that I caught note of that I was like, okay, it makes perfect sense, but does it? It talks about taking over companies that are already corrupted by the worm. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. wait a second. I thought there was only made up companies that the, that Pentex corrupts, like these these weird like Otolis or you know Maganon Pharmaceuticals. Sure, sure. But Endron's in this book. Well, Endron's not a real company. Enron is. Uh huh. And that's the catcher, right? Funny how a letter makes a difference, but it's they got away with it, right? That's a, that's that's a way to do it, <laughs> and it's over and done. But at the same time. There are other companies that exist in the world of darkness. This leads you to believe that werewolf, the world of darkness exists and nothing the same as far as companies are. And that's just not true. What they're highlighting is, is you get to decide what other companies would be corrupt enough to be acting much like Pentex. And I thought of, well, you know, Comcast, Time Warner. Well, if you've ever dealt with their customer service line. Yeah. (laughs) But what's also awesome about that is think of how fast we were able to name this, right? That's how insidious it is, is that it gives us enough of a farce to figure out that if we could name this in the real world, imagine playing in the game world, right? Which, of course, what we're doing so in the world of darkness, and it's just that much more pervasive. And you're like, holy shit, there's just that many worm bound companies that do exist out there and you cannot escape it. I I thought that was like brilliant. It's, It's like already there. Oh, you couldn't spit and miss. That's a that's yeah. a that's a brilliant idea. I never even thought about like a a Bane puppeteer Bane call center just with Banes of despair. You know, like frustrating <laughs> people to endless you know like sufferance. I thought the same thing. The DMV, <laughs> right? <laughs> Department of Motor Vehicles. I thought of the same place. It's a nothing enrages me more than standing in that line and watching the inconsistencies and just the way it's just not effective for people to come in and out. And uh, at least here in Illinois, it's oh, you want to throttle people at a point. It's not their fault. They do hundreds of people, but it's like lines of nothing leading to nothing, building frustration. And I keep thinking to myself, man, now I understand what a bitter rage bane is. It's easily <laughs> beast here, right? But that's that's just one example. So they get financial power and clout as big, big oil. And then they go to these other companies and they're like, boom, now I'm in your entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And that's really why it shows Comcast and Time Warner's two easy ones off the top of my head, mm-hmm. because that's not all they do. They're like, okay, great. Now we're going to make cheap products on top of the fact that we're going to peddle these cheap products to an unprotected poverty from capitalist predation. And there's one company that comes to mind when I think of that exact thing in the real world. I wouldn't dare say it. Walmart? I absolutely am (laughs) going to say it. I'm absolutely going to say it. Walmart bears no... There's nothing you can throw at Walmart that hasn't already had a lawyer team to deflect, right? (laughs) It's that simple. They are those people to a T. And so what we have here is the brilliance of the authors is to tie the real world so close that we instinctively understand it. And then we have werewolf players to come and wreck these things, but they can't because normal people work here. Normal folks need places like for as insidious as people want to label stuff like Walmart and um, Time War and other places. These people also turn around these companies and do make affordable products for people that normally could not afford X, Y, and Z. 
and that's or provide what, jobs to the populace as well. So that that's the tricky part. How could you say no? And that's where the worm went, right? That's the strategy of Pentex are talking about. Because now that we give you cheap, affordable products, like that's the whole point right now. We also add subliminal marketing, right? We tell you where we roll back prices in a weird comical smiley face and <laughs> anything else we could throw in a commercial or an add-in or maybe a, maybe, okay, so they're not Super Bowl ad because companies with real money get to the Super Bowl. <clears throat> so that's, that's what happens, right? And that's a different type of marketing. But according to this, their financial power is convincing you subliminally to do it. And that's where the world of darkness comes in. Well, unless you believe that you're being tricked to buy stuff because there's a commercial. I, uh, well, I mean, subliminal messaging was super hot back in the time when this was this was made, and and people were all worried about you know secret messages inside stuff that's gonna that's gonna trick you into wanting to do stuff. I mean, we, we still see it every day, and people are entertained with it. We call it mentalism, um, but, but people are able to to you know push ideas into your into your head and, and convince you to do things that you think is your own idea, anyways. We still see it now when people talk about hey, if you don't put a piece of tape over your webcam. When it's not in use, the government's spying on your house. Yeah, or hacking your computer. You Got to put your uh, cell phone in a in a, a Faraday cage bag and stick it under the sink. Right, <laughs> stuff when you're at home or else. Yeah, you know, Echo the, of I mean, course is always listening for you. So this is what we're dealing with, right? That mm-hmm. that anxiety level is what really they're saying it helps their financial power because then they offer the right product for the right anxiety. Boom, 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 and suddenly you're fi- you're financing a massive corpse. It's also worth noting as well that this is actually the goal of Pentex as they have, right? As it was saying, what is the goal of Pentex ultimately? Because while we while we talk about all these things that Pentex can do, Insidious, there has to be an end goal. The end goal for Pentex essentially is to make humanity the best it can be. You don't uh, have to rely uh, on the uh, world. Uh, 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 you like skipping ahead. I don't. Uh. <laughs> we're trying to understand Pentex. Let's put them in the advanced course, DJ, which we're now going to give you since you are grabbing the brass ring. It's going to be all you. You're referring to the Omega plan, the Omega plan too early, <laughs> sir. So we will get there. Because we've got to understand the sources of power in our three. We know the financial power. We just talked to death about it. But mm-hmm. then we roll right into the political power. I really, here's all I'm going to say about the political power of Pentex. If you want to know how it works in politics, Trump, Donald Trump. But seriously, like, let that sink in. Donald Trump. How do you get in office? Who backed that guy? What's going on? We all knew that it wasn't going to be great. What happened? What occurred? And what happened? And then there were a ton of made up stories and inflated stories and ridiculousness when it all came down to voting. It all came down to voting. That America didn't care about politics 100% until the wrong guy got in office to make the wrong example. And you'll never forget that lesson again, right? You could tell after when the re-election came around, man, did voting power become a thing. And, and you saw how that was handled. Now, to take the edge off, look, apply this to the world of darkness. You mean to tell me you can't, if there is a guy like that that could get in power in the world of darkness and sits as the president, you will know 100% that person was back bankrolled by some source of evil without batting an eye. Right. You put a businessman in control of a nation, you're going to have problems. It doesn't matter what their name is. They're going to get what they're up there for. And that's to pad their pockets and their bottom line and everybody to help them get up there and the favors they owe. That's that's business. But business is corrupt. Politics is no different. You have an agenda. Great. We give you enough money to push the agenda. Absolutely. We will. So long as you push our agenda with yours. Just just look up how bills are made and how stuff is passed and why there's debate and you understand it. And so do we expect you to get a political degree? No. We want you to understand that in the world of darkness, for Pentex, political power always came down to donations. They knew wealth was the key, and mo- a lot of politicians will do whatever it takes to get this agenda thrown in. Well, what happens if they don't take your money? Well, if they don't take your money, we got other divisions that handle that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You don't say no to Pentex. But here's the evil part. 
you don't always know it's Pentec, right? It might be Magadon Pharmaceuticals wanting you to push the next line of, ma- of lipstick, but they can't get it to go through because the animal fat that they're actually getting is from an endangered animal off of some the declining swamp area that they found somewhere in, in Florida that happens to be protected. The last bit of whatever that's protected out it's there. It's a secret formula. Right. And they're out there trying to eliminate it. But And they are. And they're using this. And they just need Congress to sign off on it or whatever. And they can't get that uh, that approval. Well, they send in a couple guys to talk to a couple guys to bring a couple people to ask that guy who would be the deciding vote if he wanted anything in the world that he could ever want. And trust me, when Pentex comes for you and they want to seduce you with wealth or we'll say privileges, they get the job done. It's a hard thing to say no to the corruption on that level. And this is where we see how the worm is corrupt. Now, this is specific. I want to point this out. Remember how they said old Zettler got, or not Zettler, uh, the, the founder, um, Daniel D. Lewis, Lasseter, got corrupted. We found some worm thing in a pit. We didn't even give this bane a name. Some Uktena tribe screwed up. It's, it's worm. Capital W, worm. It's just worm. In fact, there's a part here in this book where they mentioned the worm did this and the worm did that. And this different worm comes in. There's another worm that does it, but it's worm and worm versus worm, worm versus worm and worm. Assigns nothing. <laughs> no no direction as to who did what. Just the worm screws itself over all the time. Well, go. There's, a, there's, a, there's a little section later on where we can break down what that all means and why it's so confusing that sometimes it's this worm and sometimes it's just worm. <laughs> right. You got three faces, right? And we'll get into again. But the simple funny thing is that they didn't state what was who was how. Why? Out of nowhere. Did you just matter. leave that out? Didn't matter. Right. It w- wouldn't matter because it made it seem childish almost. But <laughs> going across, it did. Because like, you can't tell me who you're talking about. Well, it's the big man. Which big man? Well, I'm nine. All the big men. So the big man hurt you again and hurt Timmy, hurt Tommy. There's like 20 of you kids. So this one big man hurt all of you. You just stood there. Well, no, the other big man hurt him. Well, who? what the hell are we talking about, child? Later on, they smarten it up, but that's not the point. The point made is that the three faces of the worm are here, right? That you have in this book throughout. So when you go back to read this, no, no, no writing's perfect. We're just pointing out that one point, they kind of, what, what worm are we referring to at this point? Well, we also got to think about what worm do you think he contacted in the pit? It's got to be a defiler worm. What do you think, DJ? Defiler? I'm almost inclined to agree. It has to be. Because based on, on its path, you know, as we get into it, it, it screams of that to me offhand anyway. It's it's hard to say because they don't mention everybody likes a hard canon answer and mm-hmm. it doesn't give one. And that's where it gets it gets interesting, because also if it was bound by the Utena, then clearly it's not an ultra. It's not one. It's not one of the triad faces of the worm. No, it's it's just a a, a facet. It's another in an incarna that serves it or, or whatever it is, just a small piece that represents the whole. It's just the bane. Right. How powerful is the Bane? Would you call it incarnate? I guess you could. Depends on how well definitely now. Look how far it's gotten. Yeah. But the Lieutenant bound it powerful enough that it couldn't even escape when he encountered it. That's the important thing to remember. There's some cave somewhere that Pentex built their whole empire on, taking orders from whispers from beyond. And that's that's what this represents. That never gets strong enough to break hold from where it is. Ever. So it must be pretty powerful. I only say this because I'm wondering if they intended it to be eater of souls. Um right? Yikes. That's what I'm going to say right there is yikes. <laughs> right? Because I'm, I'm, well, I'm wondering about it. They left it vague. They don't define it. Later on, we know what happens with that. We know of a great sacrifice, but it only puts it to sleep. You hear of one aspect that comes up later, and you're wondering what goes on. So that's me. My head goes there. Why? And it's a review, but also, I like to see where the, where the seeds come from. Yeah. What puts there? And like you said, it's the filer worm. I want to say yes, but I'm sitting there scratching my chin at the same time. 
because Eater of Souls would be eating it up, wouldn't he? Goblin left and right. Certainly ate uh, the old founder and spat him out. In fact, that's the one thing I'd say Pentex is really good to do with a lot of its employees. That I give you a little, you taste it, you're screwed. I use you up like a battery, chew you up, and you're gone. But I got what I needed, and I move on. That really sounds like something consuming a lot of people versus just merely defiling. But defiling's here. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different worms that work in this one. Right. And uh, that's, that's, that's that. So we have financial power, we have political power. Then we got the supernal power, which honestly, no one, that's the most well-known aspect of Pentax. Really? Yeah. They got Banes, greed, cruelty, power, werewolves, vampires, uh, strangely altered humans, which I love their wording of that. Right. Well, we know it's for more. Yeah. Right. Well, because they have psychics too. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to yep. that, but that's, that's a little weird. Uh, but DJ, you were talking about the Omega plan. Please continue. Ah, the Omega plan. Yes. So the, the striking, the be all end all of what Pentex wants to aim for essentially is to create and or on base value, create more superhumans than necessary. More so that you don't even need the planet to survive. And that's how you convince them about it. But there's stages to this plan. Obviously, you can't just like regurgitate it out. Uh, the worm has decided it's going to do it through three stages. Uh, the first stage is known as the defilement stage, uh, which is funny enough. And what is it? The total destruction of the environment around you. Because it's necessary. Because in order to prove a point, you got to destroy things around you to prove that you will survive. That being the case, moves on to stage two, reconstruction phase. Well, well, yeah, it's a little, whoa, 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 whoa. yeah, because we want to we want to get to to the root of 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 kind of what the what the gist of the of the plan is. Because right now you're just kind of like you know twisting your mustache in the corner, saying first I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. But the end goal is they want the humans to be the agent of the destruction of Gaia. That's right. what this is driving yes. for. It's twisting humans by giving them all the all the things they ever wanted. Remain ageless, never starve, to to be immune to disease, you know, to superhuman strength, everything they ever wanted, all provided by Pentex to make them break uh break Gaia. That's it. Nothing can stop them. And when we talk about breaking Gaia, there's a there's an easy trap to fall into mentally to think of it. Because we know the worms here, there's the wild, and then there's, of course, the weaver. Well, the, the worm's directly feeding the weaver here. Directly feeding the weaver yep. through Pentex is what it's doing. And I found that more than insidious. Mm. That's, wow, right? Why don't more werewolves consider the weaver evil, right? Because it, you could see it hand in hand. Why did there in Pergium get, get crazy and get out of control? Why did that happen? Well, look what it did. You know, had trouble surviving, had trouble having kids. Oh, look what you discovered. Look what you had. Look, we influenced you to do it. You know, the worm. Yeah, look what you did. That was all you, Weaver. Good job. Way to go. And then, dun dun dun, Rome. And we know how that started. You heard that in the first one regarding the Black Spiral's history. Yep. And so on. And so if humans are now being not normally, or they're being highly resistant to the natural order of life cycle, which is as the wild would have it, you're up here for your 30, 40 years and go and die because life is supposed to be that short. You're not supposed to have infinite resources. You're not supposed to live forever. That's kind of the point. Do your part. Nope. We like shots. <laughs> Look at COVID. We don't like being sick. So we have vaccines and we're looking to kill it. <laughs> the whole world's looking to eliminate it. We don't like being told what to do, you little small virus bug. And that's what it's doing. And uh, that and Pentex would applaud us. There, there might be a Pentex. Who knows? They're saying, yeah, keep going. Way to go. Preach the gospel. But then that defilement does something to the people as well. It makes them reliant on those who are giving them the benefit. Exactly. And so rem- remember the process. That's the key component. We make you need. You, it becomes a necessity for everyone now, not just the poor uh, who who get our products cheaper, but also the rich who the products may be helping them live longer, getting used to less because you're eating mostly chemical and nonsense, not yep. really what you need to be putting in your body. But now 
as you get sick or have it, we have a pill or a process to heal you for it. And because it's the world of darkness and we are Pentex, we have a way that keeps you around longer. And you might get possessed or maybe not. And it just depends on what you get. But that's okay. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not, it, they're not trying to turn everyone into a Fomor, but they are definitely trying to make them receptive to the idea. Uh, the idea that everybody who's like this gung-ho, uh, go out in the woods, doomsday prepper guy who's got his, his bunker in the basement, they're like, sure, no problem. Take our guns. But there's something else that happens here, right? And the process of us buying into everything they're talking about and going with it, and that's happening. Oh, man, Pentex, what an interesting company that most people will not know about unless they trade in the NASDAQ, and probably then you're not going to know unless you know Big Petro. <laughs> right. It's, it's that simple. You're not going to know. That's the whole point. They're hidden. Um, there's a reconstruction process, DJ. What is that? The reconstruction process, essentially, is being able to create that new planet out of what Pentex has sold you. They've already sold you the, the goods that you could last longer, but now, under Pentex, they could heal you. They could show you that through Pentex, we can make it through this dying planet one way or another. We don't need it because Pentex here to take care of you. Now, again, that's even more vile. Their insidious plan that this board came up with was to become financially superior. Now, they established the buyers of the people. We made it to where they need our product, but we only want them to have our product. So any company that's not corrupt by the worm, like let's say someone comes out with a smart toothpaste that does a lot to cure clean and promote good gum health and all that to save costs and dental bills and whatnot. Made by dentist promoters by orthodontist, whatever you got, mm-hmm. this magical thing. Great. Pentex buys them out. They tell them it's a great idea. We want to help the world, too. They send their best face forwarding people to be ultra polite and kind. Show them altruistically. We'll give away supplies as needed, but we want to buy your company out. And they're like, oh, OK, great idea. We didn't even think it'd be that wealthy. But yeah, we're good. Cha-ching. We did corrupt you. We hit you with a bag of money and took it. <laughs> now we're that company and we keep that facing. But we'll add a little something else. But they established basically these monopolies where they can't do it legally. But any company that they buy out, they just call it. Yeah, you're you're you. You're your own. But really, Pentax, right? Sitting in the back of it. Now, once they have that financial superiority, what you have is these whole world environment. They expect at this point from destroying the environment. You have governments flipping out because you're inevitably going to have people super pissed off at what's going off in our world. Right. Because as they have these corporations, they're going to make it to where like a total dystopian trick. Right. Or that we believe the future is where you won't be able to get a job. You won't be able to live by, you know, shipping food down at the diner. That's going to be automated. Yep. Your packages are already automated. We're going to get rid mm-hmm. of jobs there, too. It's no longer easy. You don't have degrees. You're not contributing through university. You're not doing any of that. Then you're not contributing to us. And you're going to need us. But you're, but the more important thing, we're going to make you really pissed off. We're going to make it to where you don't have a choice but to rebel, but to do something. And while that anger is there, Pentex comes along from behind the scenes and they start making it easy. For those people to get a stack of bricks delivered to your side of your riot that you're about to start. <laughs> Instead of bricks, it's going to be guns conveniently stored out there or knives or whatever they're going to throw out there. Mysteriously, people will be let out on a technicality out of some prison trial fiasco that's going to go on. And what they're looking to sow is chaos, but they're not looking to do it through them. They're looking to do it through the people who bought their products. And as these anarchies pop up and freedom gets cried out and you know, eat the rich and chop them up and take them all down from all the corporations. Pentex is laughing because that's exactly what they want. Because in the middle of that chaos, they come charging forward, letting people know with a beacon of light, Pentex is here to save. We're here to meet all your demands. We got jobs for everybody. And that's because you've killed like 100,000 people in certain key areas and all this. Let's look past this. Humanity's got to survive. <laughs> Humanity's got to live. And look, we already have these people who've ate a whole bunch of our product and are already to stage four of a four step process of how to survive this new harsh chemical ridden world that they see 
And that gets us to number three, Domination DJ. The Domination page. Just as everyone's already pissed off, going nuts, countries and city-states can't provide anymore. They just can't do it. And that's where Pentix comes in because they have proven they've been able to give jobs and take care of the people themselves. So if your own country can't do it for you, Pentex will. Pentex <laughs> has always been there. <laughs> well, if this you... sounds way too real. What phase are we in in this world? Jeez, am I playing <laughs> a game now? I, just imagine it. Uh, you know, like uh, if, if there's one person who runs all the Internet and you know, you know, like how much everyone complained when there was ideas of of regulating like the Internet based on which companies were cooperating with the ISPs. And, uh, and you know, net neutrality is really what I'm talking about. So if they decide that they're going to, through their advertising campaigns in a country, say, hey, your political leader is not helping you look at how bad your Internet is while some guy in the back is flipping switches, powering it down. How long is it before there's a revolution? And the next person they say, the guy who will play ball, they put up right there on the TV, right shining smile, flag waving in the background, the dream that'll make the internet come back to the way it was, maybe even better. And there's there's an evil story here. You can look it up. I won't get into it. I don't want to depress people with this. But if you ever want to go back and look at Rwanda and remember what happened there, look at Rwanda today. Now, all I'm going to tell you is that the businessman who allegedly started it all, that, that atrocity, and they were looking for it. I have not read the bottom. They might have. I didn't stay with it. Uh, but um, there are now banks that are there that are pretty much large and in charge of Mwanda, offering jobs, safety, security, and really bringing them forward into the main stage for, you know, for life with everybody else, where before nobody would hear them. They were operating by radio waves throughout most of the country when that process started. What are we talking about? Uh, again, authors did something very smart called Book of the Worm because this hits home. This hits home. There are very real things that go on in this world that you never hear about that are very insidious and in how mm-hmm. they get to go. And they manipulate, you manipulate masses by tricking the very impoverished and the ignorant who don't have the advantages of the majority that, um, oh, hey, this is the way things are. And you paint for them an anxiety-ridden environment that they have to become the hardest of the hard to survive in, to do what they have to do. <clears throat> in, that, in that circumstance, anybody, anybody will do anything to survive. It's that simple. Yep. And that's any stage you're at financially. Anybody will. And, and poverty is like the last stage. There's, if you can't provide for yourself, you will figure out how to provide, right? One way or another. And that's, yeah, that's it. That's it. So because of that, we have to look at the, um, the fact that this process could work, the Omega plan, if there weren't werewolves. So I want to point that out. <laughs> Guy wasn't involved. A lot of Farrah here get involved. But that's the doom and gloom painted from the Book of the Worm, right? It's a pretty scary thing. But what insidious evil group of wizards then run the board of directors to make this happen? It's, it's just a board of directors, though, right? Like any company? <laughs> I will tell you how it is, just like any company. Remember who really runs this board. Who runs this company the worm so it does not matter who you have up here and what flavor or variety it's gonna be the worm at the end of the day only the worm's gonna be up here here's a misnomer thing though i'm not saying the worm runs the company i'm saying the board of directors does influenced by the needs of the worm the worm wants something done it's a primordial force this is the translation of that urging that it's sending out and this is what people are interpreting it as and that's what it comes into this is where it gets confusing, though. For a lot of people, this means that, well, the worm is at Pentex. You can pick up the phone and call him. All right. <laughs> um, that's, that's one way of saying it, right? But it's, uh, it's deeper than that. There's levels to it, right? In a, in a way, you kind of can, because one member of the board is possessed, but the rest of them are just very willing servants. But unless that guy is possessed by one of the triad of the worm, then you're not talking to the worm. 
right? That's the whole thing. Open and shut. And you, you hold your hands up like, okay, you got me, you got me. I'm well, just pointing it out. I mean, but there are levels. There are levels, but you know, at, at how deep is it? No longer the worm is it? Is it when we go below urges? When we go like, here you go. How about this? If I talk to a vampire, am I talking to the worm? You are talking to an aspect of the beast of war. And here's where people gotta like maybe step it back a bit. There's there's levels to it, right? No, you're not talking to the worm directly. People can be worm tainted. There could be people influenced by the worm. There could be people made a deal with a servant of the worm. That's really the, the language you want, the nomenclature. A servant of the worm. Yes, that's doable. Why? It's like saying that every time I do evil, I talk to the devil first. Yeah, well. What? <laughs> some, some late night preachers right? might agree with you. <laughs> yeah, some, some And some late night preachers are completely insane. Like them, those who would say that. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, how the book outlines are very clear is that it's unfair. Because if you're talking... If I encounter a person who's on a board director, right, I shouldn't instantly be driven insane because I see his face because we know that's what happened to the white hollers. It's like, how literal do you want to be? Like, to me, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with people having the aspect that because I read it in a book like this. Yeah. Then we ignore the other stuff. That's taking it. No, that's taking it very, very literally. We have to understand the difference between influence and that there are definitions for titles and there are inferences for a reason. And this book leads you down a dangerous road when you lose sight of it. So again, we're back to the fact that just because it says worm, they're usually relating to the uh, related to the worm's influence, right? The influence of the worm on Pentex board. It doesn't matter who's up there, right? And that's because, like you said, you got people who are, uh, you got a fifth gen mouth, Annie, who's up there on the board. You also have uh, a mass murderer who's a psychic servant of the Beast of War, right? And that's Frederick yeah. Cromrick, which is rather interesting character in and of itself. But you also have Peter Culliford, who's a psychic brain-eating immortal who's 400 years old. Yep. Yeah. We, it, can, it can be argued there's nobody 100% normal that's up there. No, definitely not. Uh, I think that's the point. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to say that when you touch the worm, the worm doesn't touch you back. And of course, that's, that's obviously what's going to happen. Each one of these people is horribly altered by their engagement with the worm, is, I guess is the best way to put it. Whether it's having to eat brains or, you know, being a pedophile or, or whatever it is, there's parts of them that are irrevocably changed. And maybe you could say that's what the worm was looking for to begin with. And that's how they, they came together and decided they were going to join forces and, you know, and become this weird entity, this weird cooperative group that, uh, that helps drive these forces. And you have the master and the server and everything like that. But what I would say is that um, I would say that person was already touched by the worm long before they believed they were face to face with the worm. And here's where I say in Werewolf, we fall into the trap too often that all evil stems from the worm. That if it's evil, it must come from the worm. We don't know that at this, at this point. We only know the werewolf, the apocalypse perspective. And that, that's from the werewolf characters himself when you read this book. Why that becomes a point of contention? Because why is it that only werewolves seem to know the term worm and use it? If this is a truth, why aren't the mages running around going, oh man, you got to be careful. Use too much entropy to draw the worm. <laughs> right? Because it's in mage, you can clearly see when they show this up, it's a matter of a religious perspective. Yeah. It's how you view the world is where this comes from. We're not even certain if the worm is actually called the worm. We just know that's what the werewolves refer to it as. It's a scent. We know what it does. We know what it, what it do, what it be about. And that's where it is. Because it'd be interesting to find that when your inquisition hunts down and kills the, the infernal, they're actually killing something that was just a possessed person, right? A werewolf would go, it was just a fermori, relax. But there was a whole chronicle in the game based around getting this one guy. You're like, well, not, well, it was actually a demon. Well, what is a demon? An evil spirit. What's a bane? Well, technically an evil spirit. It was a technically. Well, bane can't exist unless there's an urge, strangely, just like a demon. Bob, what's your point? 
what Nate, or excuse me, sorry, what Nick just said. Uh, and it was the fact that uh, a spirit that's nearby um, can't operate on its own. It exists because there's an urge there. Exactly. And that's what makes it even crazier is because there's, it, once again, the authors did a very good job of illustrating how humans are responsible for everything. Even now, when we're taking a look at CEOs and we kind of think of them as sociopaths and such like that, because they're so disconnected, they all have a specific agenda behind what they do and what makes their company successful. So now knowing that and having these, you know, these urge, these urges, you know, these banes kind of attach themselves to it is like calls to like it, it was, you know, it just happens to we it works out in the favor of the worm. But it, it wasn't because it was just a, a mandate on that particular end. Now, I believe we will touch on that when we get to, to Book of Malpheus next week. But uh, the, the simple fact is, is that when we got to understand that Banes don't come from nowhere. Right. They mm-hmm. need something to exist. Whatever laws that exist, we know this, that whatever is felt strongly by mankind has an equal, equal uh, response to it in the Umbra. For whatever reason, that's what happens. Um, it's strange that that occurs. Like, it could be argued, do animals actually have the same effect? But animals are bereft of this higher intelligence. Right. What what do they get for? Do they have that that goes on? Or are we only interpreting spirits that we wish were there for the animal? Like animal lovers love all sorts of things. Is that why there are animal spirits corresponding to them? Or were they always there? This is animistic philosophy that you can break down and go through. But you have to look it in the eye because you got to compare it to other cult like groups that think of similar philosophies and religions and whatnot. Religious religious aspect, not all cults, but you get the idea. So if there's someone else that says a spirit can only do something if you allow it in. Right. That's what we know. A demon can't affect you unless you will it in, unless you let it in. There must be a weakness. We must wear you down. We must do something to where you just give in to the influence. That is no different than what they describe a bane, right? Same thing. That's the same process. So what are we battling here across lines? And here's the fun part. You get to decide for your game always what that is one way or another. But we have to remember when we get, when folks get into arguments about, is that worm? It's the worm doing everything. But the worm and the devil are not the same entity. They're blah, 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 blah. Well, Talk to the victims. Do you think a victim really cares that this came from biblical Satan or an entity your werewolf is calling the worm? Or does it care that it, it ate its family and has to deal with that tragedy and the fallout of it and doesn't know why? Oh, it was because one night he got angry at his boss and just ate it at work but didn't give it back, came home, and t- incidentally took it out on his, on his family unwittingly and being bitchy and irritable and being a hard ass and didn't realize it. until so one day something came along and he had a bad dream. And well, it was a good dream where it said life could be different if you didn't have these burdens in a way. And then he woke up and there was blood everywhere. And it was strange. Why did his mouth grow that big? And why did he have all these teeth? Did he have teeth? Oh, what a nightmare. Why is my stomach so big? Why are there cops outside? What's going on? And then this werewolf just puts his hand in his head and says, sorry, and kills him. And that's, and that's the end of that for Maury. Because that's how it works, right? This system is literally once you have a, a cancerous growth that, that threatens the whole, you eliminate it. And Gaia's uh, antibodies would be the, the werewolves. Uh, for that instance. And that's what you have to understand. When you understand that you look at Pentex, you look at their board of directors and you see it, you can easily look and see a victim. I challenge you to see, or look and see a, a an evil, but I challenge you to see the victim they are. Because I agree. I don't know what the story is behind uh, Frederick Hromrick and his mass murder as he serves the beast of war, other than he comes from a long line of a family that felt, for whatever reason, they had to serve a similar purpose, that they had to go out and call. Why? Right? And that's a story not written here. But that's a story you as a storyteller could tell that makes them powerful. They, they did the start. But what's the bigger story that makes this even better? Because what the board of directors does, like in any company, it's what they have an interest in. That's what they direct the company to. And you see samples of that out of the book. Now, 
<clears throat> from that, let's take a look at that. Well, actually, let's let's not let, let me correct myself. Nick, let's talk about the divisions of Pentex. So we got the border direct. We know there's a division. We'll look at what damage they actually do in the environment. But what about the special divisions they have with inside of Pentex? Well, there's about uh, five or six basic uh, divisions. Uh, started off, we'll just talk about acquisitions. Acquisitions is exactly what you think it is. They're acquiring things uh, through the use of mergers, uh, just buyouts, uh, sometimes some as they put it, slick Ivy League lawyers and, uh, you know, creative and experienced accountants and, you know, bright smiled people. These are the dream teams, to, to use a stolen uh, phrase, of the best and brightest minds to do the dirtiest and evilest work. They, they come in, they take over a company, either through a great deal or through a very hostile arrangement. And, uh, and then they acquire that company, bring it into the ring, they get rid of Everybody that's a problem, uh, either through layoffs or uh, or firing, and and if it's even more of a problem, they have you know some people on the payroll that uh, they're either black spirals or first teams that'll that'll handle it in a in a very not so awesome way, and <laughs> uh, and they they take care of business. It's exactly what it is. It's finding companies out there that are already doing the worm's work but aren't aligned to the worm's purpose. They bring them in. They put them on the payroll and they get them doing the work. I don't know. I can't think of anything more terrifying than them. Why? How do you calmly call them in an acquisition? Because it's it's uh, it's what we uh, it's what we call a a, a public relations uh, term there. <laughs> and it's not just a thing. It's like uh, they these guys also eliminate threats, right? Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I remember reading that too. And yeah, part of the acquisitions division. Well, what does that mean? It means uh, you're gonna do what we say. You're going to come with us one way or another is what that is at yep. the end of the day. These guys, uh, they, they mark them as having the kind of clout to be able to take over a Camarilla company. Just easily. That's ours now. And uh, that, that holds weight, right? Because one of the people they have uh, a hard time with is um, the Giovanni, hmm. right? Pent- Pentex goes back and forth with that. The Giovanni found that a lot of their companies that were holding at this point uh, in, the, in the systems anyway, uh, were being taken over easily by an unknown company, an unknown source. They didn't know how. Well, they started fighting back their way. Right, Giovanni do a lot of skullduggery as well, <laughs> and the Giovanni are immortal, so they don't rem- they don't forgive. So you have these people who may or may not have died in this company that are getting stagger stomped because as they take over one company, Giovanni comes in and then inter- infiltrates and controls aspects of that new acquisition. Well, the worm don't like to share. Who is this? And we want you to play ball. The Giovanni don't play ball with nobody. Nope, definitely not. Right. So this goes back and forth. Later on, we're going to learn this is how a particular Giovanni. Remember the name Enzo Giovanni. We'll get to it. <laughs> Ain't here yet. Remember that name. Uh, but let's just say that there's there's some folks who don't play well with Pentex until they see eye to eye, and eventually the worm gets its due. The uh, and uh, that well, the next section is uh, is public relations. So it's uh, this part kind of blew me away. They have a they have a public relations division, and their entire goal is to make sure nobody knows who Pentex is. That's it, off the radar, as opposed to putting a a, a shine on anything. They're just they're just taking it away. They don't want anyone to know that Pentex exists anywhere other than just on paper as a subsid, you know, with a bunch of subsidiaries underneath it. The uh, the most insidious part of this, of course, is that, uh, you know, their their job is also to root out people who are not part of the uh, well, the plan, the Omega plan. So yep. if if you have a, an employee who's like, hey, why are we targeting all these these forests, you know, like uh, marked for snow owls and, uh, mm-hmm. and why? 
we, we shouldn't be doing that. They're like, ah, come over, have a have a cup of coffee with us. Let's uh, sit down and talk about it and kind of let me know. Uh, just get it off your chest. What's uh, what's bothering you? And the whole time they're just taking notes as to how they're going to walk this person out the door, transfer him to another division, shoot him over to another company, send them far away where they can't touch this thing they care so absolutely much about. If, <laughs> what do you mean to be reacquisitioned to defend the Amazon? Right. Exactly. I'm assigned security mm-hmm. to what? <laughs> I got a. I got a. I got a guard on opium field against FARC. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I do accounting. I don't. <laughs> uh, it's got to be a mistake. Oh, there's no mistake. As they put it in here, <laughs> Pentex does not tolerate potential traitors. If there is a if there is a part of you at all that is against what's going on, and you are so bold as to even speak about it. They're on you. It's it's a done. There's no whistleblowers in Pentax, at least none that you will remember. <laughs> so I can't think of a better company to go. Who was it again? Yeah, right. We I'm remember sorry, Dave. Dave. Yeah, Mike was here. Enjoy your back to backs, Mike. So it's a <laughs> <laughs> it's a way to get rid of that. Um, but all right, so cool. So that's the project division or acquisition division. It's public relations. We get that, but they have a project coordination division. Simply put, and easiest here. They adhere to the strict demands of the Omega plan. They, this is how Pentex can have so many companies working under one branch. And a lot of those companies aren't even aware yeah. that they're controlled by the same. And, and this is why you're, they all move and groove towards what the Omega plan needs to be completed with. Arguably the largest branch and the most important. And so one hand doesn't work against the other. That it's so important. So <laughs> important because it, as we'll, we'll get to in the next one, there's some, there's some weird stuff that's happening and people have some very, odd goals but making sure that the the, uh, the the one hand is washing the other and and there's only one way they can do that and that's by controlling the ledger that's exactly what this this division writes the checks and determines how funds get moved from place to place and how those funds are used before we step ahead here i want to bring up a fact that you're probably wondering what pentex make what could possibly pentex make that you would want so bad i'm just going to interject it here because the special divisions in the next step and those are interesting but I want to tell you about the product because I feel that we mentioned the Omega plan and what the hell could I possibly buy that is, that is relevant to corrupting influence. And what are we talking about? They do it in a fun way. They give you storytellers an idea of what this is. And one of them is if you're a fan of the twilight zone at all, they have a doll, right? It's under the dangerous toy section of this book. It's called Mr. Mystic. And what Mr. Mystic is, is a life-size doll that you could bring home of a stage magician, the creepy <laughs> kind of uh, old school carny magician. Uh, from back in the day, has like long fingernails that they draw in an exaggerated fashion, but completely sinister. And what Mr. Mystic does is it talks to Tommy or Jason or Timmy or whoever it is, and they convince them that they could have whatever they want easily, cheaply, for free. They just have to be willing to do a little fun to get it, and it's always a little fun, right? Because what's inside Mr. Mystic is something. It's a bane that really can't do anything but talk to them until the child does more for it, and then does more. And the more that child does the mischief, the bad things to get what they want. And what are we talking about bad things? Hey, you want that new Xbox? It's super expensive. Can't do it in the time of COVIDville. We got to save money in case you never know. Sorry. Maybe next year, sweetie. They'll lower the price. And old Timmy goes, fooey, I can't have it. But I know Jason has it. And you hear Mr. Mystic. That's right. Jason sure does have it. Jason never shuts that sliding back door. Mommy's always yelling at him about it. But you know where it is, don't you? You just go right in and take it. And oh, if Jason wakes up. Not just him and him with that new bat he got, too. Or better yet, you dad, use dad's bat. Your dad always said 
you know, the Lord says, do what you can do for yourself, right? And something like that. Isn't that what it said? Because it doesn't know. You just leave it, you know, talk kid logic. It's like, yeah, I could do that. But what about my parents? What about them? They said they wouldn't get it for you. But they'd be really happy if it was for free. And wouldn't that be not a burden to your parents? Well, I don't want to hit them with a bat. Yeah, I guess you really don't want it then. Well, that's okay. We'll have fun with your other toys, I guess. Well, if you know kids, I know someone getting hit in the head with a bat. Or I know someone getting caught sneaking into somebody's house to grab an Xbox is what's going to happen. Here's the clinch. Let's say he does get caught. He goes into a, like a kid's home for bad children and bad behavior. You think Mr. Mystic stops talking to him? Oh, no. Mr. Mystic doesn't necessarily have distance because he's not in the doll. He's with your child. And the whole time he's in that home, if you just did what I said you were supposed to do, and who knows, he might be dreaming of Mr. Mystic. He might still be seeing Mr. Mystic. It depends on the nefariousness of your ST. But I can promise you this. Mr. Mystic is cheap. Mr. Mystic doesn't even cost $5. He's not even five. <laughs> he could do it. Crank these out at like three bucks, three buck Chuck. You get your own Mr. Mystic, but don't worry as they are biases to guy or girl type of devices. They thought of something for all the ladies. Dr. Chuckle surgery kit. <laughs> I only say ladies because they target a girl for their marketing campaign. And Hey, who doesn't want to be a good doctor, right? And who doesn't want to live to do that? Dream big, whatever. And you could be a doctor. Dr. Chuckle surgery kit bought for like three ninety nine. <laughs> and Susie can go home and she gets the surgery mask and the breathing thing. And she gets the, the syringes filled with all oh, fake water and saline solution. Nothing harmful. Getting her used to, you know, all the stuff. And daddy complains about his back hurting. She says, don't worry, daddy. I'll give you a fake shot. Surprises on dad. It might be a fake shot to him when he sees it. But the moment it touches him, it's not fake no more. And he just got an epidural as he can't move <laughs> at all. Nor can he do anything but kind of, uh, but yell. And man. Does this kid tell her what she has to do? Because mystically, this Bane grants her the ability to have the level of like an inquisitor surgeon, like a true diabolic, you know, back in the day, old school knowledge of anatomy. And she's like, well, the problem, daddy, with your spine is that your heart's still beating. Let me remove it. Let me just cut here and rip here and rip this open and take that out. And you'll have perfectly anatomically cut out parts put everywhere. And boy, is she happy because the Bane won't let her feel sad about it. It won't let her get traumatized. It's letting her feel enjoyment and euphoria for going through this, that's what happens. And here's the beauty of it. It doesn't happen every time. In both scenarios, these are items that are being mass-produced and sold. Occasionally, there's a hiccup. Something they could easily justify in a spreadsheet as being a blip. Yeah. Some child took it too far. Of course, we're not teaching kids. Look what's in the kit. Nothing in it can possibly hurt them. Not everyone is susceptible to a Bane. Why is that, DJ? Because people aren't crazy like that. Also, Banes are calling to each other, which means if when you're putting one in a thousand out there, you're also potentially recruiting. So once you know little Timmy out there started to uh, steal that Xbox, steal all the Xboxes and or, you know, little Tammy out there starting to play Surgeon. Now, you know who your potential recruits for the future are. And when you start getting into the uh, the other project divisions to, to be able to pick them up. Now you start finding your candidates as well. And I love it because they're not saying Mr. Mystic's only for boys and, you know, Chuckles Kid is only for girls. That's just me and the stories. That's just what they related. One for boys and one for girls to relate. It could be any gender that gets a hold of these toys mm -hmm. and mix and match and, and see what happens. Um, there's a uh, another one that we'll mention later on down the road um, because it directly relates to Guru. But well, screw it. We'll mention it now. There's <laughs> Action Bill's Combat Badge. Dun, dun, dun. There's actually there's actually a whole lineup of, of toy that they do with that. Like there's a video game that teaches you to fight the evil werewolves. Right. It's like yep. training for them to be Pentex first team people. I, I think it's beautiful. If you can imagine how much Call of Duty's played. How badass would it be a game where you're the hunters hunting down werewolves? Like, make that game. Paradox. I don't know what you 
<laughs> or you mean like game. zombie mode in Call of Duty, except it's werewolf mode? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's running around and you pick up your combat badge. It shows your 13-year-old put it on. I'll defend. You're going in and people get to play where whatever you want to do. Jump in and have that match. Make sure you get your silver shotgun. <laughs> silver to put them down. This game is awesome. You know, if Left for Dead could be played forever, this game could be played twice as long. Just saying. And honestly, I, I want Action Bill's combat badge. But before, but, but more so, I want a Mr. Mystic. I want just the doll. I think that that's an under, I don't know why this was never made. Chucky? You would, no. <laughs> it's not like, Chucky. I know it's not cool. like Chucky, but because obviously Chucky was possessed or he possessed that. But I'm just saying like that little insidious doll that talks to you or talking Tina. There we go. Talking Tina from the Twilight Zone. Oh, it'd be so good. Those things are creepy and great. And I would just love to have like the White Wolf logo or whatever logo with all the company and makes it. And then you have like a McFarlane tag at the bottom or whoever. And because uh, I think McFarlane's like 90 now or whatever old he is. And then, you know what I mean? It'd be something smart to have and be like, oh, other than books, look at Mr. Mystic. What's he do? He tells me all my stories. And so it's fun. It, it'd be fun to blame something. Uh, anyway, anyway, I promise we get back to it. Uh, Nick, I stopped you. What's Project Iliad? So Project Iliad is uh, is what they use to train their special people, I guess, is is kind of the, the way you want to look at it. It's uh, it's Fomori. There's there's really no other way to, to kind of describe them. This is this is the project that they send all of their other Fomori to to learn how to do interesting things. First teams are trained here. Bodyguards, spies, assassins, you name it. Every dirty gift and talent that Pentex is going to need. This is it. This is their MI6. This is where they train the baddest of the bad to do the dirtiest of the dirty. Now, I'm going to put the appropriate Pentex spin on it. As they say, Project Iliad makes altered humans, right? That's that's what they do. Um, and, and altered humans, maybe, maybe I'll pull it back. That's more Project Odyssey after all. We'll say they make an evolved mankind. That's what they claim they're doing, right? That's really it. Now, why is this important? Because remember, at this point, the whole thought process behind the Omega plan is that you want humans who survive the fallout. From Mr. Mystic to the Gushy Goose to the Action Bills Combat Badge to the, the Twinkies and whatever else you want to say is out there that Pentex would make and control and throw out there that would corrupt someone in a hope. Hopefully, a bane attached to them or whatever. Their change is to make them prepared for the rest of the world when the bottom drops out under the Pentex banner. That's what they want. That's why they're evil. Right, we're changing mankind for the better. No, you want to burn the world down and make it unbreathable, then make people that can survive in this unbreathable, unbreathable environment that you completely dominate and control because they need you to continue survival. That's the Omega plan. And so on one end, the Fomori. But then they discovered something else, Project Odyssey. And Project Odyssey is legit finding people with latent psychic potential. And then they do a horrible right, which <laughs> rips away their control of it. Right. So it's latent at the moment, or even if you have it and you have it under control, they remove it from you. So it's not only more powerful, it's well, it's uncontrolled. And then they tell you that we can help you control it. Certain pills, certain things you need from whatever, get them hooked. Yep. And then these people serve in Pentex teams. Right. Rinse, repeat. Why? Because I, I could find use of having someone who could set fire to everyone with an eyesight. I mean, just I mean, that's just that. I mean, that's the truth. Uh, what if somebody who can heal somebody with a glance or a touch? Yeah, that, that's a useful person to have. Project Odyssey has them probably a whole lot more but i'm willing to bet they could survive in an apocalyptic environment they would hopefully also someone who just happens to be uh telepathic stay and make sure that uh bill on payroll is doing his job and or why is nancy questioning why we bring down the rainforest maybe she uh she needs a job reassessment i thought we told you not to read any more books 
<laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Uh, PDF is still a book there, Bob. Uh, 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 well, I'm going to Amazon, aren't I? You are. You're going back to Amazon. Enjoy shipping your boxes. You thought I meant the rainforest. <laughs> Only those with action build badges get to go to the rainforest. But that's joke aside. Um, that is about it for Pentex, folks. Um, that's the over and under tantalizing idea of Pentex at this point. Um, there is a deeper investigation further Book of the Worm books that go with Pentex, or at least uh, different angles, I should say, points to make out of them. Um, there's a book of the Worm books that go with Pentex, or at least different angles, I should say, points to make out of them. Uh, I would say kind of modernize them a bit. And, uh, but I feel that the seeds of this book make this a must. I feel a lot of the intent of uh, what Pentex and uh, the Worm is, is, is obviously from the Book of the Worm 1, and the rest are enhancement. Yeah. And uh, if, you, if you don't know the origin, I think those books lose a little something, a little luster's lost, because you miss a step. But Pentex here is pretty good to read about, and you feel filthy having read about it. I hope when you listen to this, you're like, ugh, there's a little bit of just, ugh, how terrible. It's an evil company. We should, like, take Gokrenos and kill them. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> what I like about this is it's, it's very easy to to have a, a certain familiarity with the werewolf material and to, to walk in and be like, oh, yeah, there's a there's a company that's doing something and it, ooh, it must be Pentex. They're evil, of course, but without nuance added into it, which this section is just filled to the re- to the rafters with with a there's a there's there's maybe more information than you could ever want it. But have an idea how the company works, why it works, and exactly what it does adds so much extra flavor to it. it. It makes it believable. It's no longer just a villain company sitting in the middle of nowhere. It has machinations and and directors that move things in certain ways, and you know exactly how it would work. And what we're not talking about, when you get into the minutiae, which, which I call minutiae, stuff that's really not that interesting to go into, because for storyteller going to run Pentex, sure, read it, go through it. For everybody to hear it, to understand it, you get a company runs and has objectives and has relationships with other supernaturals. We already pointed that out. You don't need to know right now how that works and what that goes, because in your game, you might change it. You might change how that goes and clicks together and does whatever. But fundamentally, that's in here, too, that you still have that in the complete book format. Um, relations around the world, um, of course, talks about the Sabat connection and why talks about the BSDs and why. And uh, it enhances that uh, story as well. What I found going through here in the Book of the Worm, when I've used in particular, this book especially, um, it always changes because it's based on the perception of what the players were looking to run into. Not all werewolf players are looking to even deal with Pentex, but it's very hard to get away from them Yep. in some aspect, right? They're going to be in the world of darkness somewhere, and that's just how it is. That's why if you ever have players who go, man, it's probably Pentex. And it is, it, it is like a Doombot. It really is, like a reoccurring villain. However, it's that or the BSDs or something else. Great trick to try in any werewolf game is to make the villain the players unintentionally. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's just say the veil's there for a reason. You don't want to Kronos all the time. Hunters do happen. And is it the hunter's fault that there are rampaging 10 and a half foot monsters running around tearing up the countryside? Remember, they don't know the three guys you killed were Fomori that were hell bent on causing this trouble in the landscape. Those three people were uncles of one of the people who called hunters to come in and deal with this rampaging monster problem, right? That's where it becomes interesting in a good game because the players can't just kill them, <laughs> right? If they just kill them, they actually serve the worm, right? Think about it. Those people are coming innocently to defend a wrong that was done. Well, how do the players communicate to them or throw the trail off or deal with them to overcome what goes on in that scenario? That too can be a fun game and even action packed, especially if you have the right group to be like, oh man, we can't just kill them. There's no worm on them at all. In fact, they're kind of righteous. But what happened? 
They don't understand what we did as Timmy's dodging shotgun blast. <laughs> oh, is that a silver crossbow bolt? We really got to run. You know, let's let's look at this later on. And uh, that that to me, because I have also done that before, it was a very rewarding idea from Werewolf because typically they're the unstoppable killing machines. Now they got to have a heart, find a way to communicate that guy in message to heal what occurred. That is the probably the, you know, when people play these games and we're taking a look at every line and why it's different. Vampire is a game of that personal horror, you know, you, you losing your humanity. Werewolf, because of the fact that you do have all this Herculean strength there, you say to yourself, well, then what could scare me? It's it's a test of the story of yourself versus the world and the monsters that you face. And for you to lose sight of it, just to, as you were mentioning, like, for example, one of the stories I was just thinking of as you were mentioning this is, what if you have a, a Walmart, right? Walmart comes in, offers all this jobs to everyone else. Werewolves know it's of the worm. You get rid of that location, burn it out to the ground. Good. You just did its bidding because all these people who were relying on that job to stay out there, you've just taken their livelihood away. You've just made this town even more destitute than it was when you walked in there. How crazy is that? You know, like what it is, is that the creators of this game are assholes. I'm going to say that you all are assholes. Whoever wrote this, you assholes who wrote this book. It's a damn good book. It is. And it's a circle logic of nothing we can do can help. Welcome to the apocalypse. You were now playing werewolf. You understand that the challenge is not we win. The challenge is, is how do we survive and maintain something of Gaia uh, that comes through it? How do we stop them from getting stronger? And that's the focus of a lot of the game, at least from my perspective, that I rather enjoy is that old school welcome to hard mode. And great, we got to figure it out as a pack. How do we have fun as a pack to conquer this stuff? And that's fun. And this is a toolbox of nothing but bad to have to deal with. So remember that as you listen to this, we are going over the book where all the bad stuff comes from. This is not a review of a typical werewolf game. So that's uh, that's what's on there. It's all that could be in it, but it helps you out to understand what it is. Um, with that, I want to thank you, DJ. Thank you, Nick, uh, for coming out going through this again. Um, and folks, uh, we conclude this uh, with uh, Malpheus is what we get into. And of course, we'll roll into the worm talk. And that'll, that'll tune down uh, what we have to do uh, for the last part of the Book of the Worm. And we'll be golden. Um, thank you, folks. We will hear you hear from us on Werewolf in two weeks. Remember, next Friday, next Friday, yeah, next Friday will be the release of Requiem, uh, the first book, first edition. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Take it easy, folks. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM, at our email, info at 25 yearsvtmcom on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 yearsvtm or on our website, www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.